Welcome, coaches. This is Tony Schiffman, and you are listening to the Hog Football Podcast. The Hog Football Chat was created as a way for coaches to talk about all things football and all things offensive line, and we took off via Twitter. With the help of so many great sponsors, we were able to create an amazing network of our coaching community. Now we've decided to launch our first ever podcast series. Please don't forget to check out those amazing sponsors on Twitter. This podcast series is presented by Platform, an online strength and conditioning tool that partners with over 800 schools across the country. Go check out platform.com, that's P-L-T-4-M.com for our full series and catch up on any episodes you might have missed. Don't forget to check out at Coach Schiffman on Twitter and use the hashtag HogFootballChat when you're there. We have a great episode for you today, so let's go ahead and kick this off. Before we even kick off the podcast, I want to just remind everyone to go like, subscribe, and keep up with these weekly episodes. If you like what you hear, spread the word so more coaches can tune in for our weekly podcasts. All right, here we go. Hey guys, welcome to another edition of the Hog Football Podcast. Uh, I am really honored today to have Coach Matt Limegrover with me. Coach Limegrover most recently served as the offensive line coach at Penn State. Uh, Before that, he was the assistant head coach, offensive coordinator, offensive line coach at Minnesota offensive coordinator, offensive line coach at Northern Illinois, Southern Illinois. He's coached at Emporia State, Ferris State, Northwestern, and the University of Chicago. Coach, welcome. Hope you're doing well. Glad to have you on this morning. Well, thank you, Coach. I really appreciate you inviting me on. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Uh, You know, first question I've got for you, and and you've been a part of some awesome teams, uh, some awesome programs. Uh, Talk to me a little bit about how – the offensive line played a part in the success of those really good teams? Well, I, I think it goes without saying that um, you rarely have a championship team where you say, boy, the offensive line wasn't very good or was a weak spot. Um, and, and I, you know, I think championship teams, to be honest with you, coach, are, are bred out of championship cultures within your offensive line unit room. Just, mm-hmm. um, you know, I will physically fight anybody who tells me that, that uh, any other position on the, on the football field um, has and, and needs as much chemistry as the offensive line unit. Oh, yeah. I, there's just – there's no way um, – you know, there, there's no way to, to be able to be great and to have such a, a vital element not have a, a key role in that, that whole um, – uh, you know, that, that whole kind of convergence of, of circumstances to create a great team and a great program. So right. um, I take great pride in, you know, the successes that we had. I feel as though uh, uh, the offensive line was, was a big part of that. Um, not probably the major part of it, but then again, you know, whenever is the offensive line the major part of it? Everyone else gets the, the headlines and gets right. the, the notoriety. But, uh, uh, I, you know, I failed to um, – either be part of or really look into and see um, great programs, championship programs, programs that have, you know, um, achieved great things that the offensive line wasn't, uh, you know, wasn't an area of strength. Right. And, and you're right that the bond that happens in that room is so special. And so, um, I mean, it's just those relationships kind of last forever and it's, it's, it's fantastic. It's really one of the, the best parts about coaching the offensive line is the, is that meeting room and those uh, that bond you have with those guys? Yeah, I I I, I agree. I, I I'll be honest with you. I've thought about it a lot, and, and probably didn't feel as strongly about it as a younger coach. But I would have a hard time 
coaching another position at this point (laughs) because you know you kind of went through the different places I I was at the one interesting thing is you're you're talking about very different very different backgrounds very different athletic abilities of of all those young men of those different stops that I made but Mm -hmm. there was a, a a common thread I look back on those groups and and whether it was the guys that I was I was coaching at the University of Chicago after just just playing there or, you know, the guys that uh, I was just coaching this year and, we, you know, we ended up winning a, a Cotton Bowl. Mm-hmm. There, was, there were common threads, even though from a physical ability standpoint or a lot of other standpoints, you know, socio, um, you know, economic standpoint. The one thing that, that held true was there, there was something special about those groups of guys. And I look back so fondly on, on all the different groups that I was able to be part of. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I love it. Um, you know, kind of touching on the the University of Chicago part, and that was, uh, you know, when I reached out to you to to invite you on, you know, the first thing you said to me was that, hey, I'm a D three guy. I played at Chicago. Talk to me, kind of. This is a two part question. Talk to me about your time at University of Chicago and and sort of what what makes Division three so much different and so much, in my opinion, special. Um, yep. And talk to me a little bit about how it was coaching there after after your time as a player as well. Well, I, I think that, um, you know, the one thing that I really, really appreciate is, is that obviously I've spent my whole life being part of it, but I love football. Mm-hmm. And Division Three gave me a chance to continue to do it for as long as possible. You know, the one thing that sticks out to me is whether you're, you know, whether whether you're an all-pro player at the NFL level or you're a guy who, who doesn't play beyond high school – at some point, for just about everybody, with very few exceptions, somebody else tells you that you're done playing. Somebody right. else, hey, there's there's no more time for you. So what happened was, was after football, or I mean, excuse me, after high school, I still had a love for football, and being able to go to, um, you know, a school, and I went you know, football was great that I could do it, but I went to get a great education, and mm-hmm. the fact that I could play football was really huge because it allowed me four more years to be able to do something that I love, put the equipment on, be in that locker room, be around my teammates. And, you know, to this day, um, you know, there's a group of nine or 10 of us from, from college every Thursday night, we, you know, the, we get on these zooms that everybody's doing and we do a, we we call it a study break and we all kind of <laughs> get up with each other, but they were all guys we played football with. And as you can imagine, the, you know, the football story. So whether, you know, whether at the time it was Notre Dame or university of Chicago, that part, like, you know, like I was saying before, that part stayed the same. Right. The other part about it with division three is, is there's gotta be a love for the game because, a lot of times you're having to, to actually do more over the course of a day, um, a week, a semester, however you want to say it, because like myself, um, you know, I couldn't afford to just, you know, no one else was paying for me to go to school. Right. So I had to, uh, you know, I was, a, I was a resident assistant in the dorms to help pay for my room and board. Um, I had a job, um, you know, working 25, 30 hours a week. Plus I had the academic studies and then also was playing football. Um, you know, there, there, there are a lot of people who don't realize that you're trying to work basically two part-time jobs and go to school when you, when you're, you know, when you're um, at the college level playing a sport in the division three realm where you're not getting paid, there's no financial benefit to it. You're doing it because you love it. So right. that puts a little bit more strain on it. And it, and it kind of, I appreciate that. Like I, you know, I see these guys who, you know, we give these scholarships to, and it's funny. I, I, 
I kind of had an inkling that this may come up because I, I sometimes I get so angry at the guys that I was coaching, particularly when I got, you know, to division one, because they complain about things that I think were just absolutely unheard of me as a college athlete, because they're complaining about how, you know, how much money they're getting or that they, you know, they only have, you know, peanut butter and cream cheese for their bagels in the, at the nutrition <laughs> bar in the morning or something, you know, and it, right. it you know, early on, it kind of, kind of set me off a little bit, but I, I've learned that, you know, all situations are different, but it does make me look back and appreciate the fact that I was able to in four years, get through, do, do, do well in school, have a great experience. And to be honest with you, that experience right after I got done playing, I started coaching at the university of Chicago and, and, and then that led into some other things. So, I think I gained a, uh, uh, not gained, but I think I continued my love for the sport because I, I had to sacrifice a little bit more, right. um, you know, from that standpoint. And, and, and anybody who does when, when nobody else is paying for you to do it, but you, uh, you learn to appreciate a little bit more. Right. Yeah. And, 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 you know, it's, it's, it really is. I mean, you talk about kind of the, I've heard the, I've heard the phrase it's, it's pure, I guess, you know, um, and and you get you get some of that but but you're right it is it is a lot of it is guys just you know that i mean i was the same way i was a i was a five foot ten 200 pound offensive lineman in high school and and you know i i i knew i knew i wasn't going to be successful at a big school and i knew i wouldn't be able to play football and it was wanting to chase that dream and wanting to 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 you know not wanting to hang up the cleats that that made you you know made me a division three athlete and it's yes i, I couldn't I couldn't be more thankful of Division Three. You, you know, Coach, you hit on a great point. I think the one thing that I saw a lot more, and I think as soon as the money got involved in the scholarships, whether it was at Division Two and and maybe um, uh, you know the the football program was paying for a semester of a guy's tuition or for his mm -hmm. books or whatever the case may be all the way up to, you know, um, uh, you know, at, at Penn state, um, not only paying for everything, but, but having the greatest, um, you know, cost of attendance that went back in the guy's pockets. The one interesting thing was, was when I played, when I coached at the university of Chicago, there weren't a lot of guys, there may have been a few, but I don't recall many guys who didn't like playing football, but were on the football team. And right. what people don't, I don't think, have enough of an appreciation for is when you're a young man and you're playing high school football and you're enjoying it and you start getting notoriety, you know, uh, you start getting, you know, a number of stars from, you know, from rivals or 247 and, you know, um, people start doing articles on you and, and these, these reporters start calling you. And next thing you know, you get caught up in the process. And, and I know you've heard this before as well. You know, I ran into a lot more guys who liked being a football player than they did like playing football and love football. Right. And then it got to the point where, you know, guys, it's not high school when you get to the college level, whether you're, you're doing it on your own or somebody's paying, you know, you to, to do it. There were guys who really didn't like the whole idea of being a football player and playing football, but they were kind of backed into a corner where they couldn't just walk away. They couldn't afford to continue to go 
to school X, but yet they didn't want to be there. And, and that, that was the part that, that always kind of blew me away. You know, the, 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 the percentages I think are higher than people realize of, of guys on those, those on football teams where you see them on Saturday and, you know, they're, you know, they're playing prime time and the stadium's filled, but yet throughout the week they're, they're dreading, you know, the idea that they have to go and, and do football. And, right. and that's always been a foreign concept to me, but I saw it a lot more as, as, you know, you kind of moved up the, moved up the, the food chain, so to speak. Yeah, that's a great point. And that's something that I never really, it's kind of, you, you see it and you think about it, but you never really experience it. And that's something that definitely um, is out there and, and, and prevalent. So um, talk, talk to me just briefly kind of a bit about, you know, you transitioned right from a player to being a coach at Chicago. Um, how was that transition? Um, you know, was it, was it difficult coaching the guys that you played with? Um, or that, you know, did they, how did they take it? But, but just talk to me a little bit about, about that. You know, I, that's a great question. Um, one of the things, um, that I think really helped with me was, was that I, I wasn't given a ton of direct responsibility right off the bat. Um, you know, I, I didn't go right from playing, um, you know, from one fall to being the offensive line coach, uh, the next fall. Um, you know, I was fortunate. I was responsible, uh, uh, my first year coaching for the tight ends. Uh, so, you know, it wasn't a group that, uh, the two, two factors that obviously wasn't a group you spend as much time with as, you know, my, my best friend in the world was a, a junior offensive lineman when I was a senior. So that could have got a little bit, kind of, it got, got a little bit interesting if mm -hmm. I was directly responsible for coaching him. Um, Cause he probably, you know, they all knew more about me than, than you want to, uh, <laughs> players to know about a coach in that situation. But I think the biggest thing was, was I was able to work with the tight ends and, um, we had a group of young tight ends, so I think the oldest guy in that group was going to be a sophomore. So he was a freshman when I was a senior and okay. kind of got a little glimpse of me as a player, but there wasn't the same bond as with, you know, I think we were returning maybe three of the five starters from my senior year on to the next year. So, you know, three of those guys I had, I had been in the huddle with, had been in the, you know, been in the, the, the battles with. So um, that was good to kind of distance, distance it a little bit. And mm -hmm. then I think those players saw that it was something that I really loved and really took to. Um, when I first started working at the University of Chicago, I'd, I would get on a, a bus every morning and go down to downtown Chicago. And I worked uh, doing legal research for a law firm till about two o'clock, got back on the bus, headed back down uh, to the south side to, to Hyde Park. And, you know, it was one of those deals like high school coaches. I'd run out on the field and get the script and coach it up and then spend all night, you know, or not all night, but, you know, spend the evening, you know, getting caught up learning. And then I do it all over again. So right. I think some, you know, I think there was some respect there of, hey, I wasn't just kind of hanging around because I, you know, I didn't have anything else to do. I was trying to hustle it a little bit. And, you know, I literally was sleeping on my, my one buddy who uh, I graduated with me, sleeping on his back porch. And as you know, uh, Chicago in uh, December and January gets a little, gets a little bit cold on, a, bit, yeah. uh, on a, on a porch that the only thing that's up is some, you know, plywood and particle boards. So uh, <laughs> lots of space heaters and a thermal sleeping bag and I made it through. So. Yeah, that's awesome. But, but I mean, that's, again, that's the life of a coach. You know, we, you know, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of the life of a coach is sort of the life of a D3 player. We're, we're not in it for, for anything other than we love the game and, and we love staying around it and want to be a part of it as long as we can. And, and, you know, for, 
for some of us, maybe we're too stubborn to, uh, to, to seek out anything else, but for, for, you know, the rest of us, it's kind of the only thing, not the only thing, but it's one of the things we're good at and, and really are passionate about it. So, uh, you oh, know, yeah. it's, it's hard to, yeah, you know, it's hard to turn it off. You know, one interesting thing, I, you bring up a great point. Um, you know, when I first got into coaching and I realized, okay, like I kind of had that epiphany. Okay. I'm pretty sure this is what I was put on this earth to do. Mm-hmm. One of the big things was when I was at the university of Chicago, my mind started thinking, okay, what are my goals here? And by the time I was done there, I, I had been there three years coaching. My third year, I was the offensive coordinator. And it was mostly by title. The head coach called the plays, but right. had a lot of responsibility. And I was thinking, okay, I'm, you know, at this time, I'm 24, 25. You know, my goal was to be a, uh, to be a head coach in Division Three by the time I was 32. You know, that was my thought. Okay, you know. I think this is something that's doable. I love, you know, I love the process, love division three. And to be honest with you, the only thing that kind of got me off that goal was I had an opportunity to become a graduate assistant at Northwestern. And, you know, for me, what's interesting about it is, is I didn't look at the graduate assistantship as, Hey, this is my chance to break in division one. My sole thing was, Hey, somebody's going to pay for me to get a master's. Right. Exactly. And to be honest with you, that was the, that was the carrot, you know, that was the, 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 the gold, the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. And, you know, I went through that and, and, you know, I got caught up a little bit in, okay, there is a different part of this world, but even still, when I got done, it wasn't as though I said, man, I want, you know, I'm going to go D1 or bust, you know, that type of thing. Like I still had the goals of, Hey, what can I do here? I had interviewed with some, some D3, you know, schools, um, you know, O-line coach and, and got hooked up at, at Ferris state, which was a great opportunity because I did want to experience. Okay. I do want to kind of experience being at a, a scholarship school, granted division two, you know, with the 36 scholarships, but still wanted to kind of experience that. And I still thought I would migrate back, you know, to division three, cause it was my comfort level. And, you know, shortly after that, I got connected with Jerry Kill, and 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 then you know, 18 years later, you know, I end up um, you know, at Minnesota, and then to, to Penn State. But that wasn't, and, and very rarely did I look at and go, man, someday, boy, I really hope I'm coaching at you know at Penn State or at Michigan or Ohio State like that. That wasn't the thought. I just loved where I was. Um, right. You know, I'll tell you a quick story. Um, when we were at at uh, Southern Illinois. Um, we had just lost in the national semifinals to Delaware. Joe Flacco was, uh, was the uh, quarterback. And that was about the time that Coach uh, Kill was interviewing at Northern Illinois. Mm-hmm. And as coaches, we were a little bit reluctant because we loved it down in Carbondale, Illinois, down yeah. Southern. We felt like we could win a national championship there. We all had young families. We, we were not exactly like, hey, and, and don't get me wrong, I, Northern was a great opportunity, um, you know, make great friends in DeKalb, was a great experience, but there was some reluctance on us as, uh, collectively as a group. We had all been together for a while. We weren't 100% sure we really wanted to go. It was less of, hey, that's Division One or what have you, and a little bit more of, hey, we got a really good thing going. We might win a national championship here, and we love living here. So, right. you know, even at that point, it wasn't as though we, we were all, you know, fast-tracked at, hey, what's the easiest way to get, you know, to the highest level possible, make the most money possible type thing. Right, and, and that's, you know, it's kind of funny, you know, funny you say that because a lot of guys, unfortunately, a lot of coaches get in the business and sort of, sort of do that where they chase the, 
the the level i guess you know they're they're not worried about the job they're not worried about kind of doing the the right things or the little things they're just worried about you know unfortunately quote unquote the title and 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 where they're at and kind of the the um you see them at convention you see the guys that are are sort of looking at the logo and 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 searching out the the title (laughs) but um you know oh yeah yeah so it it happens but um you know that kind of it's funny. I don't mean to interrupt no, no. coach, but it's kind of funny. When I was uh, working at the University of Chicago, um, I went over to the, uh, to the Catholic League clinic over at Fenwick. We'd go mm-hmm. there every year. And, and Gary Barnett had just been hired at, at, at um, Northwestern, uh, you know, maybe a year in. So I hadn't started working there yet. And he gave a talk about culture and about, you know, what he's trying to do to build it. And the one thing that really stuck out, I mean, we're talking – I'm going to date myself here, but maybe 30 years ago now, uh, you know, early 90s. Um, one thing he said was he said, you know, that he is always making his coaches and the people around him, he's always talking to them about, you know, it's good that, you know, it's good that dreams could have a plan, but really it, on a day-to-day basis, make sure your your head's where your butt is because right. that's going to get you to wherever it is. And I, I've always tried to that's stuck with me obviously for a long time. And I, and I really, it's probably as sound the advice as I've ever gotten because both individually and I think collectively the group that I was with for so long with coach kill, that's what we did. There wasn't ever any talk of, you know, what about this? What about that? It was, you know, how are we making the, you know, where we're at in the group we're working with, how are we making them better? How are we doing our best as coaches? And and that was what was so fun about that entire process was it wasn't a means to an end. We truly along the way were really enjoying the journey. Right. That's awesome. And, and you know, kind of talking about all those things kind of brought me to my next point, but you know, you did, you know, you did spend time as a graduate assistant at Northwestern, you know, you spend a, a you know, You've been at Penn State for a while. You were at Minnesota for a while. Uh, we talked about sort of the level and don't not you know not chasing the level, but talk to me a bit about coaching in the Big Ten. You know, it's how 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 awesome is you know I'm a I'm a Big Ten guy. My my you know actually my father graduated from Northwestern. That's kind of when you know I, I first started paying attention to Northwestern was the '95 season when when you know taking the purple to Pasadena. Uh, but, yep. but, but it, the big 10 to me is kind of a, a, a special conference, you know, and I always see it as like a black and blue kind of league, but, but just t- talk to me a bit about, you know, being in the big 10 and being in those stadiums and, and how cool that is. Well, it, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I, I can, it, it's all part of that just great experience. I think the one thing about coaching in that conference is there aren't any surprises. And what I mean by that is, is, you know, you, you, when you're coaching, you can watch film and say, man, you know, this, this defensive end, he's pretty good. But when you're at the, when you're in the big 10, like you are bombarded with information, <laughs> you know, you are, you, you cannot escape the fact that, you know, Chase Young was going to be either the number one or number two pick in the, you know, in the NFL draft this year because of how dominant a player he was, you know? And, and so I think that that part of the equation, as far as the coaching part goes, is, is really intense. Um, you know, there, there are, there are no gimmies, you know, there, there are, you know, there are, are um, you, you know, what week in and week out and, and, you know, people can say what they want about certain programs. Um, you know, the one thing I'll say is, is throughout my time at both Minnesota and then Penn State is you needed to give a healthy, healthy respect to, to the people you were playing week in and week out because 
they did have the ability to, um, you know, uh, the, the, the truly great ones can humble you and, and the programs that you don't expect much of that could be their week because, you know, everybody's, everybody's recruiting at the big 10 level. And, and uh, you know, that was always a challenge, but then again, I was coaching some pretty good players on our side of the ball too. And that right. was fun, you know, to, to have guys. And that's one thing that, that I realized, you know, I, I'd say the biggest kind of piece of advice for myself that I look back on and trying and I'm trying to change now is, I got kind of set in my ways. You know, we had been very successful once I got hooked up with Coach Kill, um, Southern Illinois, the Northern, um, you know, and I kind of was like, okay, I got this figured out. You know, I'd go to clinics and kind of listen to people, but go, nah, I kind of like the way I'm doing it. And, you know, I got kind of stuck and said, it's been working. We've been successful. And one of the big things is, is what's interesting to me is how all the way through college football has changed. Um, you know, more than ever, the defensive linemen are, are – they're being as well coached as probably they ever have. And the one thing was was that, um, you know, all of a sudden it was kind of like, ooh, boy, I'm trying to, I'm trying to block uh, Chase, the Chase Youngs and the, you know, the A.J. Epinesas of the world who are first-round draft picks and Etor Grossmontos in practice coaching how I have as a college coach for the last 20 years – and these guys are, are exhibiting NFL, not only, you know, athletic skills, but technique and right. what they're doing and how they're going about it, because that's, that's kind of the world we are living in now with the, you know, with the private trainers and going and working with people. So that's one of the things the last couple of years that I tried to get caught up on. I, you know, I've become for a while there, I was kind of like, okay, I got this figured out there was a point where I said, Hey, I need to go from, you know, I need to go back and be the student again. And, right. uh, you know, it's interesting. That's what this kind of this, uh, quarantine, I don't want to call it a lay, you know, it's a layoff for me, but this time has been great. I'm right. I'm down in my basement right now. I kind of made a makeshift, uh, you know, little office and, and it's been diving in and, you know, uh, as much as, as some people think that social media is, is not good for, uh, you know, not good for, for you know high school and college football because of the recruiting aspect of it it kind of skews things but it's been a great resource to be able to jump on and, and listen and read and and become a student again and that's been a lot of fun because because you know you need to be you need to be on top of all of them mm-hmm. absolutely I mean absolutely that's one of the things I've always said as a coach is is that you know the if it ever comes a point in time where I feel like I've learned enough or there's not anything else I can I can find out information about then my time as a coach is done and it, I should get out of the game so um yeah. you know it's that's a that's a great lesson you know for anybody anybody listening right now you know you've got you've got a coach who coaches at the highest level you know for college football and and he's still learning he's still you know quote unquote grinding away trying to trying to find information to 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 better himself as a coach so um that's awesome i i, I love that um well yeah, coach, I- Go ahead. I think of it as as small C coach, capital S student, you know, uh, yeah. it, because like I said, I, I hit that point where, you know, there was kind of that transition from me feeling as though, okay, I've got all the answers, you know, I'm, I'm feel confident in what I'm teaching, what we're repping in practice, you know, what we're doing an individual, what I'm doing in the off season. And there just became that kind of nagging feeling like, Hey, I don't know if this is enough anymore. And, and that's kind of been a, a real motivator for me. You know, when I get that next opportunity is I want to make sure that I, I 
I don't have those kind of nagging doubts. I want to make right. sure that, you know, that I've kind of, kind of uh, solidified the, the rough edges, so to speak. Right. Absolutely. And, and, you know, that's always bettering yourself as a coach. That's what we all want to do every, every kind of every, every step of the way that we're, we're doing this job. So that's awesome. No doubt. Yeah. Well, coach, last question I've got for you in this, this, I'm kind of looking forward to this one. Um, if you could put together a Mount Rushmore uh, of offensive linemen that you've either coached, played for, or played with, or, um, you know, or just a fan of who, who would be on that five man offensive line? Well, I'll go with, I'll go with the ones that I coached. Okay. Um, um, you know, a couple of these names may not be real familiar, but, uh, you know, you had actually brought up when I was a, when I was a GA at Northwestern, um, Matt O'Dwyer, yeah. Uh, uh, was a guard for us and, and ended up, he was, I think the first pick of the second round by the New York jets, but, um, he was, um, the nastiest, most aggressive. Um, when you talk about guys who, who want to finish, um, you know, that guy, that's, that was his, uh, big strand of his DNA was, mm -hmm. was he wanted to, he wanted to maul people, you know, his whole motivation, he was a great physical specimen. But he had that understanding of the more I do in the weight room, the more I can punish people and the more I can dominate people. Like there was more than anybody I've ever seen. There was that direct correlation in his mind between the work I put in and right. what I do will directly benefit me on what I ultimately want to do on the football field. Like you didn't need to tell him much in that regard. Um, I still have an old VHS tape of all his plays and his finishes. And I mean, it's one of the most impressive things. I, unfortunately no one even owns a VCR anymore for me to pop it in. I, I could get it converted over, but I don't know how to do that, but it was fun just to go back and watch that. So, you know, so he'd be, he'd be one of the guys, um, another guy. And like I said, really, nobody's going to know who this is, but uh, a guy who was an all American center for me at Southern Illinois, a guy by the name of Elmer McDaniel. Yep. Uh, the reason why he was so special was, you know, we, we're playing, and, and I think the two years that he was a starter for us, he was a junior college transfer. The two years he started for us, one of those years we had gone to uh, gone to Indiana and beat him there. Um, and um, uh, one of the things with him was um, he was 5'11", yeah. and there wasn't any way to, to you know, 5'11", 300 pounds. But once again, just had that great combination of, you know, he had power, he had leverage, but he also had really good understanding, loved the game, natural leader, um, guy you didn't have to coach very often. And, and uh, you know, when I say that, I mean, obviously I was coaching him all the time, but I didn't have to repeat things. And, and right. he got it, but he also loved playing the game and, and had that finisher mentality. And so, you know, he, he'd be number two. Um, you know, the, the next guy is, is uh, uh, Trevor Olson. Who, who's now the offensive line coach down at Southern Illinois. Um, I coached Trevor for uh, three years at, at Northern Illinois. And uh, obviously he's another kid. He's, he's the son of a, of a coach, um, real successful former high school coach up in Minnesota, Minneapolis area. Mm -hmm. um, that kid just, he, he, he just eats and drinks football. And, uh, you know, it shows he's real successful now at Southern Illinois, but he's the one guy that I loved coaching. Not only was he a great player, I mean, some of the players he and I were going over one time, um, uh, Robert Ayers, who was at uh, Tennessee at the time he went against, uh, JJ Watt, he played against because oh. we played up Wisconsin. Yeah. Uh, 
uh, Khalil Mack he played against. I mean, you know, you start going through the names, and I, and I know I'm missing a few, and he'll be mad at me, and he'll let me know about <laughs> it. But, uh, you know, he was a kid that he wasn't, he wasn't a physical specimen. He was big, tall kid. Um, what's interesting about Coach was he was a hockey player growing up, and he was the guy that I kind of learned if you can get as an offensive lineman, you can get a kid who grew up playing hockey. The things they have to do as a hockey player as far as, as dropping the hips and driving off the insides of the feet because, you know, because they're on skates and, right. and being able to quickly change and, and explode out of the corner when the puck goes the other way, those were things I think really helped him because he would be the first one to tell you he wasn't physically from a, from a weight room standpoint. He didn't have those, those measurables, so to speak. But, boy, he had great body control and, and he played played with leverage because he was always in good football position and, and obviously an incredibly smart football player. Yeah. Um, you know, there are a bunch of others. And, and of course I'm, I'm forgetting, you know, a lot <laughs> of other guys who, you know, but I think the one common thread that all those guys had that I coached or, you know, that, that helped coach in Matt O'Dwyer's case is, is it gets back to, they love football. You right. know, they loved, they loved playing the game. They never had an off day. They never had a day in practice where, you know, where I had to, where I had to, to, you know, where I had to kick their butt and go, Hey, you know, you're a leader. You need to be, those guys were on point all the time. And it showed up. There was consistency because of their love of football. And right. I always appreciated that. And, um, you know, I'll tell you, I'm going to give you another interesting story. I was thinking about Trevor, you know, when we were at Northern Illinois, um, Larry English, um, mm -hmm. who was out of Marmy Academy defensive end. I think he was picked 16th by the chargers. Yep. I believe Yeah, he was he first round pick. Yeah. Yep. You know, what's interesting about him is, and, and I'm just going to throw this out there just as far as from a preparation standpoint, we do one-on-ones, you know, every Tuesday, Wednesday. And the one thing that really impressed me about that kid, and this is, this is on O-line, but kind of just in general with regards to preparation, he would work the same move every rep, like on Tuesday, he'd work, you know, he'd work a, a, a rip move or mm -hmm. Wednesday he'd go, you know, he'd work, uh, um, you know, speed to power. But after the first rep, everybody on both sides of the ball knew what he was working on that day. And he didn't care about winning those next three or four one-on-one -on -one reps. You know, it wasn't a hoot and holler drill for him, you know, right. like it wasn't a mono a mono thing. You talk about a guy who was working on his craft and, Every time that he would get up there uh, on the left side and Trevor Olson was our left tackle, it didn't matter what the rotation was, Trevor went, went against him because he said, I'm going to go against – this is a great player who's working on something. I need to work on countering the exact same thing. And so they had some great battles, and I think that was something that he appreciated the fact that Larry wasn't trying to win a rep. Larry was trying to become a great, you know, great defensive end, a great football player. And, right. and he wanted to be, he wanted to get in there and be, you know, go against the best and, and work. You know, when Larry was perfecting his craft, he wanted to be doing the same thing against the best. So that was, that was always, I always appreciated that about those guys. Yeah, that's awesome. That's, that's, you know, kind of funny that you said that because, because I went to college with a guy um, at, at Illinois College who, uh, when we would do one on one pass rush reps, his claim to fame was that he never did the same move twice. So he would always yeah. do something completely different every, and that was, that was just his way of sort of having fun with the drill and, 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 yep. make, you know, and he was a great, great defensive lineman, but yeah, he, he would never do the same, the same move twice. So that's kind of funny. You see the both, the uh, both spec ends of the spectrum there. Yep. No doubt. Yeah. No doubt. 
Well, Coach, uh, I appreciate you coming on. I'll, I'll get you out of here. But before you go, uh, do me a favor, drop your Twitter handle for the listeners and, and any other information you want these guys to know. Yeah, I, I'm, uh, I believe, I, I sometimes forget, I'm at Coach Lime Grover. Um, and, and if anybody has any questions or anything, uh, i got a lot of time on my hands right now. And, and uh, you know, the one thing I, I want to give a shout out to you, Coach, I appreciate what you do because – you know, others try, and it goes back to what we started talking about right at the beginning of this of our time together in this podcast was there's nothing like an O-line room. There's nothing like an O-line group, and, and there's nothing like O-line coaches. The way we share, uh, the way we, we uh, you know, want to help each other get better, I think it's, it's one of the things that makes me so proud, you know, to say that I'm an O-line coach is, is, is the community. And, and so if anybody has anything, um, uh, feel free to hit me up. But like I said, I, I got plenty of time on my hands right now and, and willing, to, uh, willing to, to do whatever little I can to, to help make things a little bit better. Awesome, Coach. Well, I, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, it was really an honor, and, and, you know, hopefully you guys are all staying safe and staying healthy and, and look forward to, to talking more down the road. You got it, Coach. Appreciate it. Have a great right. day. Thanks, you too. Thanks again for everyone listening, and remember to go check out platform.com for the full series of Hog Football podcast episodes. We want to thank everybody for their continued support and be on the lookout for our Hog Football Chat series from Twitter on our website, hogfootballchat.net. You can check out all of our great sponsors and tons of awesome.